Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to the Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a performer you've seen on Broadway and on tours. It's Kevin David Thomas, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. There he is. Hi, Patrick. Little... And you also are the co-host, as I'm sure people know, of uh, Behind the Curtain with uh, with Rob Schneider, who was, was on right. the show a couple weeks ago. And oh so gosh. more podcast professionals. Yeah, it hasn't come out yet. You haven't heard his episode on Lakage, so that'll be that'll be fun. Oh, yeah. of course he picked Lakage. His first Broadway show was four they... years old. Old. That's I mean, yes, absolutely right. But you picked ah. So Violet is my favorite musical. It is um, it is a and and I'm talking guys the original off Broadway cast recording. Look at her skin, china white, tissue thin. Look how the light cuts clear to the bone, gives her features a tone. I take it any day. Praise God for everyone I meet while I, I am on my way. Because people who are like, oh, Sutton Foster did Violet on Broadway. And I'm like, no, oh, no. Lauren Ward did Violet <laughs> off Broadway. And mm-hmm. the year was 1997. They recorded in 98. I mean, that's when it came out. It, right. is, it is actually a very hard cast recording to find because it was yes, not. Yes, it is commercially it was not a commercial i i went through my yeah. old files and i found it and i was looking at the record label and it's like this weird like it looks like yeah. someone's grandmother you know they're like i'll put money into that and it's like a butterfly insignia i don't know the yeah. label but i i know the p and i'm sure we'll talk but the people involved it was top tier oh yeah from everybody this was not just thrown together this was a a really wonderful cast album that i started loving uh when i was in college so i went to college in 98 to 2002 so it was it was in that time that i discovered this this great this great little little gem of a musical vibe like you say this album was not released on a major label i'm not even sure what the label is i'm looking it up right now and uh, cast albums uh you know castalbums.org they they, yeah. they, will, they will have it fast i don't, I don't remember i had it just i had the booklet because i i save i save all i'm a i'm a collector so i save all sure. of my albums uh and and the and i i don't see it a lot and i looked it up on ebay you guys can find it it's it's mm-hmm. like the 12 dollars on yeah, it's eBay, available but it's but there's not they weren't mass mass produced no and it's very very listen, rare and the broad, and it's not on Spotify. It's not on Apple Music. You have to right. actually have the CD, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. <laughs> well, and it's a funny thing of, is kind of a side note, but it's one thing that's been bothering me about Spotify. And uh, it's more been bothering me because I don't use Spotify a lot, but on uh, Instagram, when I'm trying to put up a specific song to go with a specific video and you want a specific recording of that specific song. And it seems to me that the Spotify model is one cast album per show totally I, I don't know if yes. that's a if that's a rights thing or a revenue thing or what but it's like they only want and it's always so it's like the rent movie soundtrack not the broadway recording which who in the world wants no. the rent movie soundtrack and of course it's you know it's the concert of chess and it's it's the off broadway the broadway cast album of violet which to that one at least i'm like well that has sutton foster in it and did chart on the billboard charts i was excited i get it yeah totally but it is annoying it is very annoying that there's this sort of there can be only one uh, attitude it seems to me with with cast i agree um especially for a show like this where the the 
I mean, aside from the fact that the original cast is so great, it is a different show. I mean, it was retooled. It was shrunk down to one act for the revival. It was a very different presentation. So songs it, were taken out. Songs they added out. a new yeah. song. That indefinitely. I mean, they you know they had to make it. You know, it was done at Playwrights Horizons in 1997, as you know, and it was mm-hmm. this. It was a period, and uh, I was. It was a, a very special time period in my life. In the 90s. Uh, you know, the 80s was, was such a pandemic with AIDS and, 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 and all of the complications that came from that. And we lost a, a whole generation of writers and directors and choreographers and all of that. And then 90s, we started and we had the British invasion, of course. We, then in the 90s, we had this off-Broadway um, revitalization and all these writers coming out like Jason Robert Brown, Michael John LaCusa, Andrew Lippa, uh, and Janine Tesori. And mm-hmm. Playwrights Horizons, Playwrights Horizons was at the forefront of helping cultivate these artists. And it's no, you know, wonder that Ira Weitzman and then uh, I forget, but the, the powers that be at Playwrights then went to Lincoln Center and now mm-hmm. are like holding court there. So yeah. it's not a coincidence that they started out at one and they and the work that they cultivated while they were there like falsettos like floyd collins adam gettle there's another name for you richard rogers grandson who was an incredible writer um in fact i wanted to talk about floyd collins or yes Mr. it was Hintz, on your list those yeah, were other yeah, great yeah. yeah but so so I, I i really have to give it up to the this time period off broadway and creating these very intimate sweet smart musical plays i mean they're they are a musical but they're not in the you know musical comedy sense they're really mm-hmm. uh, and violet was my gateway into that world into uh, what it means to like really appreciate a, 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 a musical that has music that tells the story along with the lyric you know and, and is that because you to me is, yeah oh gene's story is, 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 is she's my favorite she's, yeah, she's, she's my absolute incredible. favorite and is that because you saw it or because you heard it? How did you first uh, encounter the show? So a combination of three. You, you remember when you're in college and it, everything you see and soak in at that time period in your life is just such, leaves such an impression on you, I think, mm-hmm. forever. Uh, yeah. And so I saw it. Uh, I went to a college in Ohio called Baldwin-Wallace uh, University. Uh, and my mentor, Vicki Bussert, she's an incredible mentor to so many artists now. Uh, and she had a th- summer theater called Kane Park, this outdoor theater in, in, in uh, Cleveland, Cleveland Heights, actually. Uh, and they did Violet in like 99 or 2000. I can't remember which oh, summer. Wow. It was probably 99. But very close it was to just, the Oh, yes. So she, yeah. she was very much on the forefront of doing shows right as they were done off-Broadway or on-Broadway. So it was done then. And then I remember I remember because I, I, I knew you were going to ask this question. I, I remember I was sitting in the car going to Cincinnati for something. Uh, it was 99 or 2000. And I listening to it in the car and it it was that moment where you, it's when I, I saw Hades time, I felt the same way. Mm. I thought this music and this is so powerful. I've never heard anything like it before. It is, I know this is different. I know that this is where I'm going to gravitate towards forever. Mm. Uh, and and, it, and it, it's been to this day, my sort of marker, you know, my, my of, of good art, of good theater. Um, not just Violet. I mean, other shows that, of course, Janine has done like Carolina Change is like, my other favorite oh musical. sure um but it, it's because of the craftsmanship that it, she brought to it and this was their first show they they developed at the eugene o'neill center uh, a conference in um in connecticut for a couple of years i mean a couple of years before the the off-broadway production um and it's brian crawley is the guy who did the lyrics i should mention him he did a yeah. little princess with uh, angel uh, lippa mm-hmm. um but uh yeah it was just you can just it's it's not perfect <laughs> and it's it's but it is really uh it's i think it's solid work and i think it's a really beautiful show so it is a very plot driven show 
Um, Very much so. Oh gosh, and, the songs yeah. are intertwined with that. Of course, yeah. Absolutely, but it is even, in, also in the way. Like one of the things I uh, I describe Janine Tesori's work is eclectic to me. It's very very eclectic, um, mm -hmm. not only in in composition but in subject matter. Um, but one thing she does her two of her shows have in common, the big being Carolina Change and and Violet, is a very very story driven kind of piece like there's a lot that happens in them you know unlike in fun home which is much more you know a single character study with a lot swirling around it and and thoroughly modern millie being you know more of a musical comedy in the traditional yeah, sense of the sure. word um so i think it's important because i didn't i knew the music i did not really really know the story until today when i read about it so do you think you could summarize the plot of violet for people yeah, of this course. might be a little more detailed than we usually have because a no, lot happens at this show i know and i i will i promise you, listeners i will give you the clip notes version the the album starts with an axe chop it starts with the blade mm. of an axe hitting uh the wood stump uh and and that really it foreshadows the entire story it is about a woman who has a scar a horrific scar on her face she's in her 20s we don't we don't really know exactly what age she is but old enough mm -hmm. we should say and she's from a, a small little town north in the mountains of north carolina um uh, and we're talking the 60s and this is very important because we're in the south in the yeah. 60s uh and war uh, during vietnam or early vietnam war uh and this is a woman who has a, a, an axe blade and she's she's a, you could say she doesn't have a big world outside of her farm and she's what she does see is a picture on tv she's tried everything to fix this this wound on her face because people look at her funny and all of that and now she believes that this preacher is going to heal her so she this musical is a journey of it starts with her waiting at the bus stop and it is her journey going to meet this you know one of those preachers that you see on tv when you go visit your family in the south that says he's going to heal you if you donate all this money uh and 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 it's her journey and she meets these soldiers a black one and a white one on the way has a different relationship with both uh and learns a lot about herself and uh, it's a it's a journey of of self-love really for all mm. the characters actually mm -hmm. every single one of the characters uh is a is has to understand the world that they're living in and what they have uh, and and just what they can get out of this the journey of the musical and so by the end everyone has changed uh mm -hmm. because they met each other um and and while she is not healed because obviously the preacher is not going to heal her right she's healed you know and spoiler alert she's yes. she's healed and she learns to find the the, it, the scar doesn't matter and all of that and right. so it's it's and they don't uh they never it's, it's it's advised in productions to not have some sort of stage makeup scar they so it, it is it is yeah. it is yeah it is acted you are you are merely you, the way they react to the performers is the way uh, that you are to um know that there was something wrong with her um and so that's that's it and i actually yeah. saw the original cast uh perform when they opened oh, really? playwrights horizons yeah mm -hmm. in 2003 they opened playwrights horizons uh the new building that it's on 42nd street and i they had a reunion they had a reunion of the cast of falsettos and i saw that and they had a reunion of the Violet cast. And, oh, you better believe I was in the front row. I saw it three times. It was one weekend, and I was at, like, two out of four performances, bawled my eyes out. Like, I always tell the story on my pod of, like, how Roz Ryan, who's this wonderful, you know, actress in, in the front mm -hmm. row, and she's looking at me crying, and she's like, oh, baby. <laughs> like, you crazy, white boy. What's wrong with you? And I was just sobbing. <laughs> And I still feel that way. I still, and I, I re-listened to it and, and it brought, it brings me back uh, to when, uh, you know, when you're a kid and you, you know, the song on my way that they sing everyone, all, every single 
young female sings this now in auditions because it mm -hmm. is the go-to solo song because you know Sutton sang it and all that. But right, it's this great group number. It's the, it is the opening of the show and it is the it is the I want song for everybody. I carry with me. listening to it when i drove to new york for the first time and i, I still this morning i listened to it at like 7 a.m while my baby was hanging out and i was like crying because i remembered the, the the meaning that and that's what i love about musicals you know listeners all of you guys must know with your cast albums i must not be the only one that puts on an album and remembers exactly where i was the last time i listened to that album i mean mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why i love that we love this so much, I think. I mean, because you, sure. you constantly get something more out of it. So, No, absolutely. I mean, it's 100% true. It's funny. That's the second time that Playwrights Horizons re uh, reunion concert has come up on the show. The last one was the episode that just aired right before yours with Amy Ostriker, who went to the Falsettos one. So that's funny. That, has keeps, that was a good concert. I was there, too. Yeah, there that you go. <laughs> It was epic because yeah, when do you yeah. get to see the original cast? Like you, you never right. get to see. The oh, original on stage, cast. never, 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 never. never. That never, yeah. yeah. Well, and especially for falsettos because like that that actual original cast never did the whole show. You know, they had because it was actually two separate shows. But anyway, we talked about that last week. We don't need to talk. I love about that. Again. That's great. Yeah, it's a fun. It's an interesting musical. Violet is. It, it's one that really like. I hadn't listened to it in a, in a long time, um, and. I had forgotten that Robert Westenberg was in it. So that was a nice surprise because hear that so voice, much. Right? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I really, he's one of those guys that I just wish, I, I mean, he seems like he's doing great. God bless him. But I wish he was around. Because <laughs> I didn't, just like, love his he, what, he married so what? Kim? Kim Crosby. from Chris Crosby. Uh, yeah. And they went to the Midwest somewhere. They, they yeah, teach and they, they yeah, started they a program. And they, Louis they and did they do a, what? They have kids. What Broadway they do. people do. Absolutely. <laughs> they, it's yeah. a it's a beautiful thing that they do. And 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 I'm so happy for both of them. But I miss it's he's he's a funny one for me because he's on like every cast album I listen to that was released between like 1984 and 1991. And then he's sort of just like gone. And you're just like, but you're on every single show I love. So um, distinct that voice. Uh, oh, you, so you know distinct. Him, he's, you know, listeners, you know, into the woods. He was, you oh, know, yeah. the, the, the prince. Secret I mean, Garden. Yeah. I mean, every Sondheim yeah, show. Oh, Sunday of course. Park with George. Garden. And yeah, I mean, it's oh. just, he's, he's all over the place. And it's yeah, a great has voice, a tremendous, yeah. he's sort of like, and it's funny because he's done two shows with him, but he's kind of like Mandy Patinkin for baritones because he has that, mm -hmm. you can really hear him through a crowd as a, as a baritone. And you can immediately recognize his voice on this, uh, this cast album. Oh, oh yeah, he's a bus driver. Then he plays the preacher, and you get a lot of doubling on this album. It, there's there's only a couple leads, and then you mm -hmm. have a lot of parts played out. I got to give a shout out to Michael McElroy, who has the Broadway inspirational voices. And back mm -hmm. in the day, it was the Broadway Gospel Choir, and on this album is the Broadway Gospel Choir singing the Gospel Choir, oh, which is actually really really, really good. Yeah. Oh wow, it's a really cool thing. So you have all these like Brian Darcy James is in the chorus on this album. Are you on the way or are you in the way? Now, 
that, that which wasn't on the stage. That that, that was. It, There's was a whole just bunch the... of people that okay. enhanced the recording, and yeah. that's right. Um, and yeah, no, it's 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 a really it's it, they really pulled out all the stops. Janine uh, Tesori produced it along with Seymour Red Press, who is a, a music contractor. We, we interviewed him on my podcast. Um, he he's the guy that hires musicians to be mm. in shows. He's literally. 94 maybe 95 right now um, wow. i can't remember he's yeah he's been around forever but the, all the people on the album they when they, there's one song that's a nashville type sort of country song um that usually is my skip song but um it's and, and they call the jordaires and they say it, it's a radio song mm. but they got a nashville recording studio they mixed it that style dance with me darling stand on my toes dance to the old so it, it's just it, it may be that we're joking that it's this like label no one's ever heard of and this, this show that's off broadway but all the players involved all the people it's their top it's their top shelf work i mean it really mm-hmm. is it's it's solid work all the way around the, the label by the way i finally found it is you did. Re- resmeranda is the I name i told of you the it sounds label. like a weird like it's a lot of like classical music store. and yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it's got 13 albums total on discogs oh. which is not a great and a lot of those are repeats so yeah they didn't put out a not a huge amount of material but you know one of the things they put out was uh was violet so there well, you go and you're right patrick there there are many different it is a very plot driven show of course mm-hmm. but within this you have yes you've got your book the 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 songs that are clearly you know book driven songs that are plot driven that are are really seamlets in the song that could be mm-hmm. when violet's getting to know the soldiers and all of that but then you have right. all these this blues songs you have this like country song you've got this folkiness you've got like this other flavors and styles that lift it up off the page and that's why i think janine does so well is it it the, it sounds and i'm going to speak a little more musically now but it it sounds like simple music it sounds very oh that's a gospel tune oh that's a blues song and yet on paper if you were to play this music it's it's not it's it's really mm-hmm. complex music it's same thing with you could go to thoroughly modern millie yeah she's emulating the 1920s and a, a, a silly old-fashioned musical on paper though those songs are really complex mm-hmm. shrek it's a disney musical it's a yeah. it's a thing nope on page it so that's what I, I i it's deceptively complex uh and i think if you listen to it you'll hear the storytelling parts but then you'll also see how on surface these gospel numbers and all these other songs uh, could be just throwaway songs but they're not there's so many other layers to them oh yeah everybody has stuff to do i mean it, it it's a it, it's such a utilized ensemble it's such an impressive uh impressive feat even listening to the album to go uh, hearing all the different people keep coming back who play multiple parts obviously and 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 who do have so much to accomplish um and add you know so much they also all have themes they have repetition you know there's the musically Mm -hmm. there's just it's it's just so rich and is there's a lot in here that i felt she then in terms of uh not 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 to say that she repeated herself but this, i feel like she learned a lot writing the show that she then used to great effect in carolina change i mean really to make that score yeah. again like you said sound simple and feel connective but really be a very diverse and complicated piece of music that she was was writing because obviously carolina change is a huge undertaking of a score that goes on for two discs and it's just immense and this is sort of is shorter than that but it, it still has all that richness to it 
But you're right. And, and, and you are exactly right in saying that she is a ver- a very versatile and you never know kind of what you're going to get. Uh, even with soft power that just came out, you know, at mm-hmm. the public theater, which is this sort of, oh gosh, poetic, like operatic, you know, it, she's all over the place. But you're right. The through line is the craftsmanship. It's solid work. It's good work. Um, and and it's fun to hear it the beginnings. It's fun to hear mm-hmm. where oh, yeah. it she's playing around, she's figuring out how this all works. Some of the lyrics, yeah, they're a little suspect. Some of them, some of some of them, I'm not gonna lie, some of them are a little <laughs> suspect. But then uh, then some of it, you're thinking, well, is it deliberate? Is it is it on mm-hmm. purpose to have it not be you know overly rhymed, overly all this? Um, yeah. So yeah, because it never gets in the way. You know, no, l- no, lyricism no, no. The being the tricky thing that, that it way. is. Right, exactly. So you can kind of, yeah, I because I agreed. It was the second or third time I listened to it. I was kind of like, hmm, not sure about that one, but a couple of times. But it, it never feels, it never got in my way. It was just sort of like, uh, you know, I've listened to this three times in the last however many days. It's like that that third time I noticed, that's a weird little twist. Uh, but, you know, so that speaks to the real, it never gets in, it never bothers you. It never gets into the the the, the issue of it. I, I, I sort of was as I was following, trying to follow the story, you know, cause you listen and then I read the plot and then I listen again, you know, trying to like follow it along and see how it develops. Lots of flashbacks, lots of flashbacks. Lots of flashbacks, lots of, lots yep. of, and, and one of the interesting things about the sort of like elephant man technique of not having the scar on her face for the audience to see is it really brings forward one of the sort of central themes of it, which is that, you're you're only defined by these things as much as you let yourself be defined to, you know and the audience without young vi coming on or or the remembrance of what she's doing you know traveling to the preacher to get healed um it, it, you'd forget you completely forget that she has anything you know any disfigurement at all it's really up to the other actors and then also the the moments of the flashback to remember exactly what happened to her and so it really made for an interesting moment at the end when she thinks she's healed and she's not going to look in a mirror to find out. And you as an audience member, I'm sure we're kind of like, Oh, is this that kind of show? Like what kind of show am I watching here? She doesn't know. Like, Oh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, and if it's done well, if it's done right, when they, cause the last song to me is, 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 is absolutely beautiful. And yet, in the wrong context could be very cheesy yes if it's done well it's it's like once on this island when they say and she turned into a tree and you're like oh god but if you're going the right journey you should be sobbing because that's the moment right you should should be be. happy but But out of context it's a little funny but i will say the once on this island ending is sad I mean, objectively sad. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is a... It, it, I don't know. A, I've seen good productions where I felt oh, sure. I was crying and sobbing, but I was like, oh my God, it's change. I'm going to be the one who changes. I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be T-Moon. Like, you, okay. that's, it should inspire you to be the yes. one who changes, to be the Absolutely. one who is going to be the reason why you're going to break down these walls. And and, I mean, and we're not talking about once in the island, but, right. but that's... But, yeah. <laughs> one of the things I didn't know until I read the plot synopsis was... I knew she ended up with, because of the Broadway commercials, I knew she ended up with Joshua Henry, but I didn't quite understand how we got there. And it's such a meanderingly weird path, which really comes down to the writing that, you know, she has this great meeting with the, with the soldiers where she's going to play cards and then she aces them, which is great. Cause I was 
I'm always bored of the scenes where like somebody gets all their money taken from them. You know, some poor yokel gets all their money taken from them. And then the rest of the show is they have no money. Like she really aces these guys out, shows she has multitudes. And then between the two soldiers, there is this sort of odd competition for her favor that slowly develops over the course of the show until it culminates in the finale. It doesn't really hit its peak until the end when both Monty and Flick are, 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 are coming at her from very different directions, but for the same basic intention. It's a really, really interesting finale to this show. Yes, yes. And and, and I, I'm with you on 80% of it. Okay. Uh, I, I don't, like, there's definitely conflict that happens bef- like between Flick and Monty halfway through the show. They build up their conflict more. There's not really a big song for it. It happens right, right. before the gospel choir happens, where, where he's like, he's like, don't worry, don't let it, don't do something. You know, they, they're fighting. Uh, and and there is a, there's discord between Monty and Flick over her. Uh, and they get, they're going to go to Vietnam. They're going to go right. off. It's, it's time to go away or, you know. Um, and uh, we definitely get a, a sense of that. And we, we understand at halfway through the show that Flick and Monty are after two different things when it comes to Violet. You oh, know, yes. one is one is definitely looking for a more soul, like a partner, someone that can see them for who they are, can see them for who they are. Uh, and remember, this is the '60s uh, in, in the South and uh, in, in America. Yeah. Right. Um, and then the other soldier uh, is is there in it more for the conquest. It doesn't mm-hmm. like to. He's a typical white man who is afraid to be turned down and is afraid to have and wants that wants the conquest, wants to like, you know, and maybe. Through this, he's changed a little bit. That maybe he realizes that some of the things that he thought he believed in may not be the. But it's not about him. The show is not about him. The show is about yeah. Mont. And when I saw that concert, you know, the, the last moment in the, in in the Violet that I saw was uh, Monty putting his his well, was Michael McCurry putting his beautiful big black hand out, and Laura Lauren Ward putting her hand in his. In the last moment of the song is them putting their hands together and their hands folding into one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a beautiful image, and it is. It is not the the flick journey, you know, where she sings "Lay Down Your Head" and he's laying in her lap. You have to, the musical is very much about somebody coming to terms with their own sexuality for the first time, mm-hmm. of being liked for the first time, of having attention of somebody that they want attention from for the first time. Uh, so it's yeah. So there are so many of those. Yes, you're right to hear all those layers, and then but they they don't structurally hit you over the head with it much no of it, not at all to, yeah you have to infer it by watching it there's there there's all these little scenelets throughout the show so when you listen to the cast album it's a tough one because mm-hmm. you don't have all those scenes and you, you're like why is the preacher singing right now oh, is this the dad he's got a whole song is this a memory what's going on <laughs> um right and so so much of it is is i think the the mood of it too and and how that the music creates that storytelling through through the music musicality of it well and it really that is true i mean i, I when i when i said that um it was the, the 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 that they come for her sort of both at the end when monty and flick monty proposes and she turns him down then obviously she comes to flick it it it, it did i i wasn't quite clear and you kind of cleared it up for me a little bit why monty proposes to her it feels, I mean, it feels sad and desperate in a kind of like, I'm going to Vietnam kind of way, you know, that he proposed to her. Right. But it, it is a very kind of incongruous moment. And like you said, it's not musicalized. So I didn't have the exact wording of, of what was happening. Oh, of course. I had a fight with my teacher. I just remembered. I oh. had, you know, when you were in college and you're your professor and, you, and this person was the 
they they she was the queen of, of she still is i did not agree at this moment my friend and i and i came at her and i thought well no i really believe monty you know and i think I don't remember. I, I think I, because this is exactly what we're talking about. I said, well, what are his intentions? You know, the, the, the soldier I was playing, d- does he, does he have, does he really want to be with her? Or is it just that he doesn't like losing out the to, to flick? You know, does he not know mm-hmm. what he wants? Um, and, and I think that the script did not make that clear. Um, and I think you are not wrong to, to say that this is a, a little question mark here. Um, and we, I remember, and this was the, this was the off-Broadway script. So I, I don't, I, I honestly cannot remember how that re- i'm sure they clarified that relationship i know that for instance monty uh had a different song in 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 the revival i mean the revival uh, the broadway version nobody asking no one's doubts someone who don't give a damn that's what i come to memphis for that's all i want and nothing more so here i am the open door he doesn't he didn't sing you're different which is a song that he sings in the off-broadway which is a softer right. sweeter song different. That's it. And more than i care to admit there's something you got going for you means that there's no way You're different. That's all. They clearly were playing with that relationship and what was going on, you know, between those two and what the, his intentions were. Um, so, yeah, I totally forgot that was a, oh boy, she did not like me fighting her on that. <laughs> no. Um, but I remember that I some of the clarity of the of the characters was not, as clear as I thought it could have been. And so there was a lot of discussions there, which that's good. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's what should be. it's all about. What you should be doing there. in your yeah. school. So what did, when you saw this show or heard, you know, heard this show, saw the show, what did it, what was it about? The, Cause obviously you were already interested in theater at, at, when you were heading into that, but what was it about this show that was kind of a sea change for you? Uh, well, Patrick, I always listened to <laughs> in, in high school for going then, Angela Weber. I listened to the popular stuff, right? I mm-hmm. played because I played the I played the piano, and I'm a music director. But then I just played so I could hear it. Um, I played Angela Weber. I played Les Mis. I played all of the popular stuff that is the go-to stuff. So you can imagine hearing. You know, I remember the first, the other album I wanted to do was Songs for New World, but you've right. already done that twice because yeah. it is such an impressionistic piece. Because you can imagine in 1996 when you first put pop that baby in the old disc player in the car, when you heard those piano sounds coming out, you're like, I didn't know that could, could exist. Well, mm-hmm. Tesori took that for me to another level. I did not know that that could exist. I didn't know that you could have that much storytelling, that much beautiful music. Um, and, and I didn't know that all of the elements could come together like that in a very simple way. So the production I saw was very much, I think, based on the, the off-Broadway production, but it was very simple when they were on the bus, it was just rolling chairs. Um, you know, the set was just a sort of like 
brown, you know, wood planks. Mm -hmm. Um, It was an outdoor-ish theater. um, And it was just, it just, it it is to me the kind of theater that I I grew to love. And it represents that to me, that um, it is not the Angela Rubber. And I, don't get me wrong. I love, I will sing Lot 665 and go through the entire album till the cows come home. But when it comes to the kind of musicals that really speak to me that, that I will revisit over and over again, that I always get something out of, um, it's always going to be the shows that have some depth to it where everyone is on their game. If the orchestrator is doing the best they can do, the players are caring about it, that everyone is, is in it for the same storytelling reason. And as you know, are, you can tell are passionate about it. Um, and, and this was the first show that I ever saw those elements come together in real time, in my time, right? Because I can listen to Follies and I can listen to the older shows, but they seem older to me. This was mm. a show that had just been produced. So like to this day, I'm, I'm going to be 40 in a couple weeks. I, all I want to do is work with Janine Tesori or interview her. Like, let's just talk to my mm-hmm. talk on my podcast because it's, it's just one of those people in the business that I just think is, has, is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing uh, and, and set out to, to be a part of this. And so any, so that's why I do all, I, I'm a music director. I'm an actor. I'll do anything because I just want to be a part of a show like Violet. I just want to be in that room. And if it, whatever part I can play, whatever I can, I do you want me to direct it. Sure. I don't care. Just let me be in that, a part of that storytelling. Um, and it's, and that's why. And, and so the music, the lyrics, the characters, those actors playing those parts, I feel like they're my friends. And I think mm. that is a, a, an indelible cast album, like what you're setting out to, you know, to capture, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And this was the original. <laughs> this was the original one that did it for me. So um, do you yeah. come to shows v- very much through music? I mean, is that how you find? Very much so. I, yeah. I, I was just talking, I was teaching a class today. I teach music theory. And I was talking about that, that I have to fight myself to not, just listen to the music first. In fact, when I have a new show, I often, even if it's an older show that I want to, I, you know, I was just into the Cradle of Rock lately. I, I was like, mm-hmm. what's this fuss over the Cradle of Rock? I love Mark Blitzstein. What? So yeah, I listen to all the albums. I listen to the, I read the score. I play through the score, but it's the music is always my way in first. So because of that, I work extra hard then to like listen to the lyrics and really, mm-hmm. you know, go in that direction. But my, my inherent way is always through the music because I always played, I always was wanted to feel it in my hands and that in learning a show, uh, if I play it, then I will learn it in, you know, much faster than listening to it. So it's always been, so music has always been your way. And it was from, yep. from even the very, very young, was there any ever a sort of sense of like, well, maybe I'll do piano performance or composition or anything like that. Or is it always No, I was been... never good enough. No, I, it, the music, the playing the piano just served the need to, to do show tunes, to create them. And mm. so when I was in high school, I played so I could, no one else played. I mean, my mom played, but she was busy doing other stuff, you know, like raising a family. Right. So I, I just, and I got better at it as I did it. So I just played all the tunes of the songs I wanted to hear. And at the time I had Angela Weber. But then as I got older and in college, I just would play for every single person who gave me music. And, and we discovered, you know, all of the great writers together uh, at the, you know, in our college years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were the great writers though, that were just being discovered. Michael, John, the Cusa, I mentioned all the names. They were all writing stuff. So we were digesting it as quickly as they were writing it. You know, if you remember what those days are like when you're in I sure college do. and all of that, no, absolutely. you know, yeah. and how it was so, you know, it was everything. It was, yeah, it was for, for, for me, it was always when you'd go to, to somebody's recital 
and they'd sing something and you'd be like, what is that? I've never heard yes. that. What is that from? Find where, where can I find that? And, and then you grab it because it's, yeah, it's, it's that. And we didn't have say. YouTube, right? So like that no, one concert <laughs> was the one time that you heard that song. So yep. you, you had to hold on to it. You had to, you know, savor it and soak it in. So yes, the music is, is my way in. Always. What, uh, do you find now with um, the, I mean, the sort of the ease of of getting music. And like you say, you have a lot of cast albums and, and so do I, as you might imagine. The, the There almost feels like there isn't enough time anymore to digest all of the shows the way you use. Obviously, it's not as much time as you, yeah. Um, so how do you fight that? As somebody who's working like now and really has to, you know, like I started a podcast, but like how do, how do you uh, fight that sort of, the problem of, of being first of all too much media and then second of all it doesn't sort of stick as well as it used to uh yes because how, how can you possibly consume it all you can't you i mean can. there's yeah. you you absolutely cannot and i'm i'm someone that when i have a rare two hours alone i almost get nothing done because i'm stressing out about what i could mm -hmm. do in these amazing golden two hours that i've sure. now wasted an hour planning on what i want to do i mean we all do that to some degree um so i try to just throw something and just go with it and just mm. if i'm and and if i'm in a certain mood i'll try to go with it um i i decide for me when i listen to stuff if it's a new thing or it's an old thing it's a different experience so if it's a new thing i have to really sit down and listen to it whereas if it's an older thing i can do other things i'm really nerding out right now but it's true um so that <laughs> you know so if i can half focus then i'll mm -hmm. listen to certain albums but if i really like i i never listened to utter glory utter glory of morrissey hall the clark gesner musical that no one's ever really listened no to other than right. uh, you're a good man charlie brown but right. he wrote another show with yes, all he of did. his money that he made and i thought let's listen to this let's see what this is like but i had to sit down and really listen to it was it worth the hour mm, i don't know <laughs> i don't know i gotta listen to it again and get back to you on that but that might be it yeah what <laughs> what is it that you find that kind of can turn you off very quickly and then what are the things that you that you'd like to hear at the beginning of a, of a show or, or any piece of music where you go oh this is something i'm i'm gonna be sort of in this this yeah. has my this kind of has my attention. That's a good question. Um, well, first, be, because my way in is through music, but it's always filters through storytelling and character and all of those other things, right? So, like, even like as I even when I when I'm a music director, I'm nothing is ever just music. Like it's it is they it, everything is served. The music serves the story, right? And if I'm seeing a show like like Hades Town, for instance, that was a show that really grabbed me that i that i thought oh my god this is this is really special it's it's unexpected it's when there's a turn in music or even in lyric that i think i know where it's going and then it goes in another direction and that's it's not at all where i thought it was going it surprises mm. me uh, and that even can be a surprising with its sentimentality or its sweetness or even its you know its simplicity um i think it's something that is smartly simplistic is genius when it's done in the right well, way it's the hardest thing uh, yeah of I course mean. <laughs> i mean of course <laughs> the hardest um, thing in the world is to be simple and to be yeah. authentically and authentic in that simplicity as well mm -hmm. um and so and that will always grab me i can smell phoniness a mile away so i will get turned <laughs> off by by if i feel like they're trying to pull one over on me as the audience member if i feel like they think they're smarter than i am the audience is always smarter don't i mean, just don't i mean that's i mean i just i i can I, that will turn me off from something is um and i always will find that's the thing about being a music person first is that you can always find redeeming values though 
even in shows that you know had were should never been on stage there there's these great cast albums that we all have our favorite flop shows for instance oh, of sure. shows that probably will never get done again but at least i can still get into it in that music way the music still pulls me in uh, and I'm, I'm i'm you know me i'm i love my older shows i'm, I'm a, i love my golden age so a lot of those books and a lot of those lyrics uh, books more than lyrics they're so dated that you yeah yeah you can't do them. I mean, you have to no. have David Ives come in and redo the book. So it, it's, it, it, you know, the music is the one way that I can actually understand the world and the storytelling and all that that was going on. And that's what's the other thing you said that really rung to me is this idea of what you really like is the, the ability to, to, to not remember you're watching a show or to, to forget what you're, kind of, what you're kind of doing, to let the work wash over you which i think is a very common experience when you have when you've seen a lot of shows or you've done a lot of shows is you start to be able to quickly see the strings and you go i i know where this is going or i see what's happening here and the thing about a show like violet or like i mean i think almost i think all of janine sasori's work shrek included makes you kind of go it's a musical about what mm-hmm. you know every single one of her shows has that aspect to it where you're just like it's not a, it, it, she's got a scar on her face and she's riding a bus for two hours. That's the show. It's like, you know, it's about, you know, what, what the woman who lives in the basement or works in the basement, what, what is the show about? And it's really, she's very much seems to be gravitated towards those shows where you're just like, I don't, I don't know why you'd make a, you'd make a musical about that in a very Sondheim way where you go like, I remember the first time I told my dad about Pacific Overtures and him mm-hmm. going, they wrote a musical about that like he knew the historical event obviously being like wow that's that's super weird and she seems on a much more human level to have a sort of similar event so it doesn't surprise me that you're drawn to her work in that in that uh in that specific way and a show like this would really would really kind of light your hair on fire yeah i never really thought about it yeah i never i just always assumed (laughs) that everyone would see it as i do and yet no one really has but all this time i i keep looking around thinking Guys, don't you? I mean, hello. It's brilliant. It's so good. Uh, but but yeah, it isn't. I, it isn't ostentatious. I mean, it, it, like you like. Oh, it's subtle. One of the problems it's... with subtle, simple, you know, brilliance like she has and like this show has is it does go unnoticed a lot of the time. People go, "Yeah, it was really good," or whatever, you know, and it sort of washes away. And you go, "No, you don't understand. Like, it's not. It's really, really great." <laughs> exactly right that's it is, like, it's like my hard, life story it, <laughs> it's no like you don't understand like doesn't anyone want to see and yet and yet i'm like i'm I, I love it so much that i'm okay like let me have it by mm-hmm. myself that's why when it came to broadway i thought well now you guys finally see what i've been seeing this whole time but even then i'm like that's fine i i'm it is so personal and so real to me that i'm i'm like just you let me have it let me just have it on my own then i will take it <laughs> I'll keep it. I'll just be me and uh, it'll be, you know. It's my Desert fine. Island CD, you guys. There you go. Don't take my CD. <laughs> well, because they're very hard to find. So really, really don't take, don't take <laughs> yes, this There CD. you go. He'll never, he'll be very hard to find another You know, one. we see lots of theater and we've consumed a lot of theater. So, and like you said a minute ago, um, you know, the more you learn, the, it makes it harder to enjoy it sometimes yeah. because you're going to analyze things in a different way and all of those things. And then if you start teaching or all these, uh, you know, just... Yeah, your brain gets in the way and it, it is harder to just sit back and enjoy something. Now, 
for me, it happens not always in the musical theater world. I can mm. tell you, I saw one of my favorite opera singers. I, I was lucky enough to see this woman named Cecilia Bartoli. She is this, this world famous mezzo soprano. Um, and and, and I, she never comes to the United States, but she came to Canada in 2005. I was in Les Mis tour. Um, and I saw her and I remember sitting in the theater. And I didn't even know the songs that she was singing, but the passion, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the attack, the, the, the storytelling through the way she sang it rocked my world um, i'm trying to think of 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 a of a musical theater experience where i didn't know what i was going into and what i was going to see um uh hades town did it mm-hmm. uh once in this island when i saw when i've seen that live uh, the first time i saw it live in regional theater it it just completely rocked my world i i could mm-hmm. not believe that what i was hearing is what what i was hearing um um and anything that Adam Gettle writes, but he doesn't mm. write anything. So it, it doesn't, I, I know he's been working on this show for a really long time. It's about time that we hear yeah, my best friend did a reading of it. I yeah. don't, we'll see. I don't even know what it's called, but, uh, but three musicals in three decades, like brother, like give us more to hear. I mean, come on. How Prince is famous for like what he would he, opening night. He would already be the the night that the show was opening. The next day was the meeting for the next show, right? I mean, that was yeah. like a famous trope, right? That was that was right. how Hal worked. You know, you're you're always moving forward, and that's why uh, you know even when I when I coach people in this business or 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 or, or anything, teach. I, I it's it is not an an up business. It is an up and down, and then up and down, and then up and down, and every show closes, and every show closes. So, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what, unless you're a writer, and then you get to reap the benefits of a wicked, you know, going forever. But that's that's the high-risk, high part it's of also, it. Yeah, I mean, that's not what you should be going shot. into yeah, it. Yeah. Don't, yeah, go be a movie star. You know, it is, it's the violets that are the reason why we do it, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least why we set out to do it. Why, And that's, you know, why I set out to 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 go into this business as well. I mean, it was, it was because those people sat down, Susan H. Solman as the director, um, Kathleen Marshall was the choreographer. Yeah, I um, know. They all sat down together and they're like, we're going to tell a story and we're going to, it's like Oklahoma. We're going to just make sure all the elements come together and honor that. That's really all they did. I mean, to simplify it, but it's true. And so that's all I, that's what it taught me. That's all I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is and as Pollyanna as that sounds, um, this is the show that that embodies that for me. Um, and I hope that if listeners, dear listeners, if you can dig in a little bit, uh, and maybe um, you might find that as well. And if you have shows that do that for you, please throw them my way. But if you give me Jekyll and Hyde, I'm gonna throw it out the window. I swear to God, I'll throw it right out the window. <laughs> We've done that on this show too. Uh, Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> an hour, a full hour. My God, Janine Tesori is such an interesting composer to me because for I wonder if there's ever been a Broadway composer who has worked with so many different lyricists and librettists. I mean, she loves to work with a good, you know, lyrics and book by, and she loves to work with a good lyrics and book by somebody who's never written a musical before. Well, I mean, that's the key, right? Yeah. That she's 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 collaborating with people like Tony Kushner, who you know, my God, he had never written a musical before. He's this like, you know the 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 accolades for his playwriting you know angels of america alone you know are are top shelf top tier and yet they're like let's write a musical about his experience growing up jewish in louisiana Mm um mm, i don't know that seems a bit but they (laughs) went for it and you know and were, were his lyrics a bit 
you know, new for someone who's writing lyrics for the first time? Yeah, 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 yeah they were. They were. That's fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But then she goes to Lisa Crone. Then she goes, I mean, right. she, she he, he didn't lay David Lindsay a bear. I mean, like, right. it, it is, you're right. She, there was no just one singular person all the way through. But um, that's why I think it's so interesting that she, her, I often say, you know, like, look at people like Julie Stein. I mm-hmm. really firmly, deeply, deeply believe that his musical palette changed based on who was his lyricist. Oh, 100%. Hazel Flag is yeah. definitely not the same musical that Gypsy is. And they right. were like three years apart, four yeah. years apart. Her funny so like, Girl, you know, for no, granted, with Bob Merrill. The, you know, I mean, it's, it's a. Yeah, that's like in between the two. I mean, like, yeah. like uh, mm-hmm. so that, you know, that I, you know, I think that, you know, so when you're sometime does that too and he's he, he does it with book writers yeah absolutely he's always and, moving you know, around for different book writers and, and i think it keeps the work fresh it keeps it exciting and it does also allow you to have a, a faster overturn because you're you're working with different you know you can go over here work on this show and then you can go over here and work on that show depending on how people are are doing and their collaborative makes them better i mean like yeah sometime will be the first one to say i mean when we had our first little night music rehearsal for the revival he the, we had our meeting and where everyone goes around the room and says what they do and sometimes like hi i'm steve and i wrote the music but i just want to say we would not be here if it weren't for hugh wheeler who wrote the book and that is really you know and and, and it gives it up to him you know and mm-hmm. that's where so Tesori is you're you're seeing all these collaborations and all and always you get the sense that she's reaching for something that she hasn't done yet, reaching for yeah. something that's oh hundred percent for something that hasn't been happened yet, um and and it, that's gosh I, I mean, I'm sure you know this as a writer but like that's scary that's crazy mm-hmm. that's you know can or neb or can or neb for a reason it was much easier just to be like ring ring just to be hey can or what's up right. Fred like let's right. like, write a little bit today you want to um you know that it's yeah. It's a, it's a very scary thing, you know, especially with so many different, um, but yet you get, you can learn more about, it's like a, it's a relationship, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a relationship where you really learn more about yourself. So, and we get to hear great new work. We get to every new collaboration Sondheim gave us. We got new mm-hmm. work. We got new art, you know? Um, and so I look forward to hearing more that uh, Janine will give us. And, um, and I, you know, I, and she's still doing, I mean, David Henry Huang never, you know, he worked exactly. on, uh, he worked on, the rewrite of flower drum song but you know that doesn't really count no we, we don't think of him as like america's great musical theater writer but yet he's the, just like all of the great writers though like neil simon wrote musicals i mean mm-hmm. terrence mcnally i mean that is mm-hmm. that exists that is a great yeah. you know we, i just interviewed ken ludwig yesterday and he's lend me a tenor but he also uh, did crazy for you and right um uh, american in paris so uh, so i think yeah you know it makes sense that you have you 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 have more than one collaborator and um, I don't know. I can't wait to see what she's going to do next. That's I've been saying that for 25 years, though. What's your favorite song? What's my favorite song? Um, as far as storytelling, um, no, the last song. It's the finale. Bring mm-hmm. me to light. I love bring the bring me light. light. But on my way, you can. I, I will. Mm-hmm. You start playing on my way. I will. It, no matter where I am, I will stop what I'm doing and start singing along every single part um if you ever run up to me and start doing it i will just be forewarned i will do it i will sing the entire cast album and happily so um so yeah but uh i will tell you i will skip certain songs like m&ms don't need to hear that transition music thank you very much um i learned how to play poker i when i first started playing poker i would be like you got your royal flush your straight flush your four of a kind your philosophy flush enough philosophy. yeah i would see mm-hmm. the whole thing in my head when i was at the card houses in la because i was like wait is this a flush? Wait, which one is the flush beat oh god i've got a full house oh my god <laughs> 
That was two hands. The ago, person right. singing musical theater songs at the <laughs> poker table. I can guarantee you that. Well, you know, we can't all be Teddy KGB. We have to be, uh, right. you know, doing the doing. The, <laughs> that was, I, I will say, the funny thing about Eminem's was I did not expect it to come back <laughs> when it came. Oh, back right, gotta have reprise. a reprise. I was like, she's going oh, back she's home, out. right? Yeah, I'm healed I'm, now. But it was it's so like, funny because you're right. Eminem's like, M&M's good and plenty. Yeah, Although that harmony, like, I'll get somebody for the road. And it it's was good. just, yeah, harmony. and it was a piece of fluff song. It's a minute long. You know, it happens in between. Yeah. And I, you're right, like the second or third time through, you're, you're you're sort of passing through it. But it was funny when it came back. I kind of exactly knew where I was. I was like, oh. Oh, I know where she is. She's on her way back. She's so over here. She's in the same structurally. Market. The journey is like there, and then Perfectly it does done. like a reverse thing. Yeah, yeah, this was great, Kevin. Thank you thank very you. much for letting me revisit my favorite musical of all time. That and is... I never ever get to talk like this with anybody <laughs> uh, other than Rob. And uh, Rob doesn't want to hear about this or Wild Party, <laughs> the Lacusa, not the Lippa. And so this is a real treat to be able to <laughs> really nerd out and really go in depth. On something that I just we both love so much, and that's yes. albums. And I just want to thank you, Patrick, for the the what, what you're doing and putting out and celebrating all these albums. I've listened to so many episodes; I love it, um, and I think it's just absolutely wonderful. And I thank you for for being a voice out here uh, for our little niche market of listeners who who love these albums and and want to and want to talk about it the way we do or at least listen about it too uh and do guys if please if i may reach mm-hmm. out like disagree argue oh my yeah God, have a conversation we love, we love dissent i love it. to Bring hear a like dissent. mind or not like mind but um but thank you patrick for having me and this is absolute pleasure absolutely so much fun if i ask you to be with me by and by will you meet me tonight love it's too dark to see with the naked eye. Will you bring me to light? If I happen to stagger and fall behind, will you help me to find love? Will you help me to walk? Will you ease my mind? Will you bring me to light? Will you bring me to the original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Original Cast Pod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on all platforms at Unknown Penguin. Enjoying yourself? Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell the world. You can also find the original cast on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and wherever fine podcasts are available. My thanks to Kevin David Thomas for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Will you bring me to life?